and welcome to my chamber. My name is Rotherick Gastblood, and I'm your host of Tales from the Dark Chamber. This week, we have a great show for you. Tales to make your skin crawl. Each week, my chambermate and I read a scary tale that we found on the internet, or perhaps left under some corpse. Either way, we think you're going to like it, and we're just dying for you to hear it. So sit right back, light a candle, and let's have a ghoul evening. <laughs> hey, Rothrick, check this out. Look what I found in my room on the dresser. Hmm, what is it? Looks like uh, some notebook or notepad or something. It looks really, really old. Does it indicate who owned it? Nah, just some old notes written in a terrible handwriting. Almost like the person was crippled or had some sort of manual issue. It says here there was a terrible... I can't read that part. Uh, and when she left, she... Oh, I can't read that either. Was on the way to... Nope. Nothing after that. Sounds like you have quite a mystery on your hands. Yeah. Oh, wait. Uh, here's some more. I think I can read this. We sailed for 32 days. Our voyage was fraught with peril. The ship listing about whilst the waves grew stronger and stronger. The only action we could take was to secure ourselves in our cabins and pray that we would make port before nightfall. Fisteria gassed blood. Do you know her? Wait a minute. Let me see that. Oh, for the love of dirt. This is great Aunt Fisteria's diary from when the Gastblood family crossed the ocean to America. I haven't seen this in years. And it showed up in your room, Woody? Yeah, almost like someone put it there for me to see. Creepy, huh? Well, Great Aunt Fisteria has been known to leave things lying around the mansion. Oh, no, you're not going to tell me that... She's still around? Oh, yes. About each year this time, she makes an appearance. Cheapers, Rothrick. Between your dead relatives who refused to stay dead, an animated scarecrow, your former wife who we had to excise from the couch, I still can't believe you did that and just about any other creepy crawly thing imaginable, including a still-missing reanimated squirrel, which is still out there somewhere, and a ghost bus. I just don't know what other surprises I might find here. Oh, now, Woody, Great Aunt Fisteria was not a people person, as you would say now. She keeps to herself, and was probably reading the diary... In remembrance. Well, let's hope she knows that not all people here are dead. So what's this on page seven? Looks like a poem. Upon my seat I reflect reluctant, the night air and all within it, and all creatures that dwell in the mist keep safe our memories until we meet again. 
I wonder what she meant by that. Well, Woody, Great Aunt Fisteria was an odd woman. When they arrived, she found herself alone and very insecure. She died right on these grounds after the mansion was built in a mysterious manner. Seems she walked out one night into the garden and simply died. If you listen hard enough, you might just hear her read her poetry. Uh-huh. Well, I think I'll just return the diary to the library now. That way, Great Aunt Fisteria won't be reading this in my bedroom. But that does remind me of tonight's story. We start out a three-episode tale called Ed. A young high schooler, Christopher, is plagued by a local bully, and no one seems to care. Except Ed. Ed's a mysterious person who gives Christopher a notebook to help him with his problems. Enjoy. Ed by Rundine Part 1 God have mercy on me, he whispered, stepping through the hallway lined with loud gossip. It's been too long, almost a week. I know I'm surprised, the gargantuan hands grabbed him from behind, slamming him against the locker. His books crashed to the ground with a thud, and he stared like a deer in headlights at the man before him. It's been almost a week. I, 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 was, I was thinking that too. So you knew I was coming, huh, Christopher? His posse of friends were laughing beside him as the other teenagers simply walked by, not the least bit concerned. Buzz, g g give me a break. You had a break, Chrissy, he ruffled his hair, almost a week. Christopher said nothing. He conceded defeat. Damn it, Christopher whispered in anger, feeling unable to breathe. His body was tightly pressed against the metal lining of his locker. The only present light was through the slits near the top of it, Besides this, the locker was pitch black. His legs no longer hurt from standing the 55 minutes until class got out or until the hall monitor or school security guard stumbled upon him. He had to do it too many times. It was routine now. His grades, however, were beginning to suffer. The classes missed due to this were hurting his GPA. He refused to dwell on that thought when trapped in the locker. It just made him all the more furious. I spend every other day in this damn locker, he seethed. I'm so sick of it. I... A shadow passed the slits of the locker, eclipsing the light. It didn't move. He felt a pair of eyes cutting through the locker. Hello? There was no response. After another moment, he became less annoyed and more frightened. Then a small piece of paper slid inside, thumping his chest. He caught it before it fell to the floor. Had it reached the bottom of the locker, he'd have no chance at picking it up. The shadow disappeared at that moment. What the hell? He stared at the small note in his hand. Hello? He called. Hey, can you open this damn locker? The person never replied. Bastard, Christopher whispered. What the hell is this, a fake love letter or something? He opened the note. The first thing he noticed was the awful handwriting. It was hardly legible and written in dark black ink. It slightly unnerved him. The formation of the letters looked somehow angry to him. Perhaps it was their spiky structure, like the bubbles surrounding an onomatopoeia in a comic book. Are you sick of this? They bully you, frequently. But I understand. Ed. 
He felt anxious as he held the note up in the dusty, faint locker light. He studied the words carefully. Ed? Who's Ed? Eddie Braxton? Why would he... And he doesn't go by Ed. He felt a sense of ominousness. What did the words mean? Who was present outside for only a moment, eclipsing the locker light? Who was Ed? And what exactly did he understand? Chills crept down his spine as he stared at the note one last time, then folded it back up, sliding it into his pocket. I'll just... Christopher? A voice caught him by surprise, startling him. Mr. Mr. Tiller! He breathed in relief. You scared me. They put you in the locker again? The janitor asked angrily. Somebody needs to put a stop to those kids. He twisted the lock and left and right, and having memorized the combination by heart at this point, when it unlocked, he opened the door, studying Christopher's dark blue eyes and long brown hair. Thanks, he stepped out, and nobody will put a stop to them. Everything they do here at Garrick goes unnoticed. The principals don't care. Not one bit. That's why I always end up in here. The janitor sighed. I'm going to do something about this. He spoke his expected platitudinous promise. Christopher nodded. Then he felt the urge to ask a question. Hey, Mr. Tiller, did you see anybody walking by in the hall, like only a couple of minutes ago? I saw a boy, Mr. Tiller responded. Not sure who he was. He walked down the hall and took a left. Didn't see him after that. A tall fella. Looked like he had glasses, but I'm not sure. Why? Did you beg him to help you and he just walked on by? No, I... Don't worry about it. Thanks for getting me out. Of course. I mean it, Christopher. I'm going to do something about this. Thanks. The room was dark. Christopher's back to his bed. He just lay awake, his curtain open, allowing in the moonlight from outside, which illuminated the room just enough to read the words. Aren't you sick of this? They bully you, frequently. But I understand. Ed. Who is Ed? He contemplated continually without rest. Ed. What is it you understand? Are you getting bullied too? Why don't you say anything? Chills crept up and down his spine again, and he decided to stop thinking about it for the night. He folded the note and sat up. He set it on his desk, then crawled back into his bed, making his way under the covers. He tried to sleep, but the eerie interest kept him awake. All he could think about at this moment was the light in the locker eclipse, and he felt the stare of whatever was outside. It wouldn't leave his mind. For some reason, as he considered the presence outside the locker, it didn't feel human to him. It felt more like an entity or force. Perhaps it was because the person was so standoffish and strange, with a name unknown to him. He opened his eyes, staring at the roof, and he took a long, deep breath. I'll be up all night thinking about this, he sighed. Christopher! A firm voice caught his attention, and his heavy eyelids raised, meaning the face of his teacher. Wake up! Christopher sat up quickly, embarrassed and worried. Sorry, it won't happen again. That's 30 minutes of my class you've missed. I suspect your grade on tomorrow's quiz will reflect that. She walked back to the front of the classroom, everybody now studying him, either laughingly or awkwardly. No one looked at him sympathetically. He stared at the board dully, already feeling his eyelids growing heavy again and his racing heart slowed down. Christopher opened his locker. To his shock, a book was present inside that he'd never seen before with a note taped to it. He picked it up, analyzing it. It was an old, faded red notebook. 
The pages of the book were a yellowish-brown, having seemed to deteriorate from the once bright white loose leaf that they were. He was about to open the notebook when he figured he'd check the note first. He pulled the tape off and opened it. This is my gift to you. Read it carefully and not at school. You can't show anybody this notebook. Read it when you're alone. When you're finished, leave a note in your locker telling me what you think. Ed. Ed. It slightly unnerved him to see the words written in the misshapen handwriting. Even the dark ink of the letters looked unnatural. He placed the notebook back down in the locker following the instructions. However, curiosity took over. He opened it slightly, eyeing the first page. From what he can tell, it was notes on American history. The handwriting was the same, hardly legible and dark. Something's wrong here, Christopher sighed. I don't know what, but this just isn't right. How did Ed get into my locker? And this notebook looks so old, it's like it's from the 80s or 90s. I don't like this at all, he shook his head. He set the notebook down, shutting his locker. He turned around and instantly noticed the presence of Buzz coming up the hall. He dashed for his classroom, hoping Buzz hadn't noticed him. All Christopher could do was hear the clock ticking. The school psychiatrist was making her pot of coffee like usual, leaving Christopher alone in the office. His elbow pressed against the table. He leaned on his palm, bored. I hate these Thursday meetings, he grumbled. I have better things to do than sit here while you make coffee. Then the journal came to mind. Despite how ominous it felt, he was also deeply curious about what he'd find inside. Every time he imagined it sitting in his backpack, he felt like Ed was nearby, watching him. Alone in the office, he stopped contemplating the notebook and Ed in hopes not to feel worried again. Three minutes later, the psychiatrist returned. She had long, dark brown hair and caramel eyes behind glasses. She was in her late twenties, gorgeous to look upon. He used to feel butterflies when he saw her in the hall, but now all he felt was her contempt. Her neglect of his problems seemed completely opposite of her job, and her tendency to make his situation seem like his fault infuriated him. Hey, Christopher, she smiled, sitting down at the desk across from him, holding her cup of coffee. How was your day? I didn't get kicked or punched today. I wasn't thrown into a locker either, so it was okay. Don't be so negative, Christopher, she touched his shoulder, slightly annoyed and slightly determined to change his mindset. I told you, your negativity only contributes to the problem. Christopher seethed. He decided that saying nothing was better than saying something and having her make things worse. Listen, Christopher, Buzz's parents give a lot of money to the school, and Garrick High School needs the money. She rubbed his arms tenderly and he stared into her eyes, his tortured soul meaning nothing to her oblivious smile. And they're all just messing around. Anyway, if you weren't so moody, I don't think people would pick on you as much. Look, Christopher, just take this all as a life lesson. There are going to be mean people in this world sometimes. You need to deal with them. You'll have bosses you don't like and... Christopher faded out. Once again, he was reminded why he hated everyone. Though he generally suppressed these thoughts of anger, the school psychiatrist always made them blossom. In her office, he always came to a new dark conclusion. Today, while blocking her meaningless words, he realized that there wasn't a single person at the entire school that he cared about. 
He started to think about it, if it would bother him if they all died. He lied to himself when he had reached the empathy that it wouldn't. Then he started to think about perhaps how things would be easier if he himself died. Then nobody could hurt him anymore, or ignore him, and if they did ignore him, he'd be dead, so he wouldn't have to experience it. Are you listening? No one understands, he thought to himself. Then he remembered Ed. They bully you, frequently, but I understand. Christopher? He looked at her uninterestedly. Hmm? Are you there? You know, ignoring somebody that's trying to help you is rude, and Christopher faded out again, thinking about Ed more. He couldn't wait to get home and check out the notebook now, though, still, a strange sense of dread crowded his mind whenever the notebook, or Ed, came to mind. He wondered if he was simply not used to someone reaching out to him, if his mind was so confused by the idea of a possible friend that he simply felt worried, but it wasn't the same worrying feeling. He didn't feel anxious. He didn't feel nervous or shy or like he was going to be out of his comfort zone. He felt like he was talking to a corpse. Maybe it was because Ed rhymed with dead, he joked about to calm his nerves. But every time Ed came to mind, he remembered the feeling of the presence standing inches from his face, separated only by the dark locker. All he could feel when he considered that moment was dread. If Ed did understand, why did he seem so sinister? Then he began to ponder Ed's reasoning. If Ed understood Christopher's pain, it meant he was the victim of years of bullying and isolation as well, and perhaps lacked social ability. He was probably too shy to say anything, he thought, and that's why he'd been writing him letters. He was lonely and shy, just like Christopher. Ed almost felt normal at that moment, like nothing was wrong. But how did he get in my locker? The ambiguousness returned, and Ed felt paranormal again. Christopher, the psychiatrist snapped, I'm speaking to you. I'm not listening, he responded dully. She looked at him in disgust. You wonder why people are mean to you. You're such a brat, Christopher. Nobody respects you because you're not respectable. You're mean and selfish and wow. I didn't think your job was to insult insecure people. In fact, I always kind of thought it was to help them. So either you always had it wrong in my head or, holy shit, you'd suck at your job. He got to his feet as she exploded in a tirade about respect. He walked over to the door and she grabbed his hands, yanking him back. He pulled his hand back as she roared, You cussed at me! You'll be in detention for... You just put your hands on me in a confrontational way. If you want your job... You'll shut the fuck up as I walk out this door. She seethed, breathing heavily and angrily. She stared at him in contempt. He looked at her dully. His hands rose, hovering level to her face, extended close to her. His middle finger protruded. Then he turned and walked out of the office, closing the door behind him. Christopher threw his backpack down on the floor. He unzipped it, placing his hands on the old red notebook. He made sure his bedroom door was locked. He put the note in the same drawer where he had put the first note, then sat down on his desk. He placed the notebook before him. Here we go, he whispered, opening it to the first page. He found descriptions of the founding of America, of the Revolutionary War, and the Founding Fathers. All of it was written in the dark, strange handwriting. He flipped further into the book, finding only notes from a history class. It's all just notes, he scratched his head. Seriously, what was I supposed to get from this? He flipped to the end of the book. Here he saw tens of equations, most more complex than he could understand. 
he figured it was calculus. Then something caught his interest. Edward Faust was written at the top left-hand corner, and beneath it was a date. 01-18-91. 91? 91? he whispered in confusion. This homework is dated from January of 1991. The whole book even looks like it's from 1991. He stared at the old faded brownish pages. Edward Faust is your name. Ed. He held the notebook. He was deeply confused that Ed had left it for him. He flipped around more. Most of it was history notes, English notes, or equations. He found that Ed was highly linguistic, with a startling vocabulary. Throughout even his notes, he used many intelligent words, some of which Christopher didn't even understand. Then he stumbled across something of interest. Unlike most of his notes, which were all crammed up into one page with little to no room for anything else to be written, this page was almost empty. The only thing on the page was a poem. It was titled, A Walk in Isolation. Christopher's blue eyes fixed on the stanzas. Once again, this hall I walk, mired in isolation. My ears assailed with the profane talk and the hushed dealings of medication. Invisible, I am unseen, a specter haunting the faded halls, with nothing better to do than read vulgar philosophies upon the stalls. I am alone, I tell myself, but this is just a lie, a lie I cannot fully stomach, when in the mirror I meet my blackened eyes, for I am noticed, I cannot deny. As curled fists discover my face, with ease I am plainly visible, but only to those whom I hate. I cannot spend another year attempting to justify their sins. Not one more day, not one more hour. I will be heard. I will. Christopher held the notebook in his hands, unable to look away from the poem. He had felt it all before. He felt as if he was reading his own mind, like it was all written exactly for him. Now he felt close to Ed. He did not understand some of the things that were happening. He didn't understand the strange date on the notebook or how Ed opened his locker. But he understood Ed himself. Ed by Rundine Part 1 Well, folks, that's our story tonight. Rothrick and I hope you enjoyed it. We sure had a great time bringing it to you, and we really appreciate you listening. Tune in next week when we bring you another chilling tale from the dark chamber. And just a note, if you're an aspiring author and want your story read here on Tales from the Dark Chamber, send us a note at talesfromthedarkchamber at gmail.com. If it creeps old Rothrick out enough, we'll air it. Hey, subscribe to our podcast for notification of our next new episode and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And don't forget to like us there too. Also, make sure you tell your friends about us. Spread the word. Now, if you want your story recorded for your own use or just want to have it, check out my website at woodygvoiceover.net. You can order it there. Or you can find me on Upwork at Woody G. And again, thank you for listening tonight.